0: Church family, take your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter two. Acts chapter two. Good to see everybody out this morning. If you're tuning in online, thank you for being with us this morning. And if you're here in person, thank you for being here. I want to encourage. You, uh, we are. I think the would the groundhog see their shadow uh, this week. So I don't know if that means six more weeks of winter. Anybody over winter yet? If we're ready for spring. I'm ready for the a uh, little bit warmer temperatures. But I've enjoyed seeing the snow uh, this this winter already and ready for uh, the spring flowers. Not ready for pollen necessarily, but ready for spring and uh, ready for all that God has for us this year. Like I said, take your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Last Sunday we began a brand new series entitled Greater Things. And I believe that God is preparing His church for greater things He wants to accomplish in and through each one of us. I believe that He is bringing the world to our doorstep and as he's doing this he's seeking to prepare the church to experience all that God has for us there's so much more he wants to accomplish in and through each one of us and it really has to begin within our heart it has to begin right here in our own life if it's ever going to transform our lives and then go out of the doors and the walls of this building make a greater impact on the city of god's power a fresh move of his spirit we're going to have to see a a mighty move of god's power and it'll it'll also bring fresh growth to our faith as followers of jesus it's going to stretch us it's going to call us to action it's going to make us uncomfortable as it is it kind of forces us out of our comfort zones but church don't be alarmed don't get nervous by that because Anytime there's a move of the Holy Spirit, that uneasiness is Him preparing us to do greater things in our lives. He's causing us to trust Him more. He's causing us to lean on Him more. He's tra- causing us to look to Him more for the strength, the power to be all that He's called the church to be. This morning, we're looking at Acts chapter 2 when the Lord poured out His Spirit on the church and on all flesh. And what happened on the day of Pentecost? ...was nothing short of supernatural. The Holy Spirit was sent as Christ had had ascended up into heaven... ...and Peter was going to preach his first and possibly his greatest sermon on this day. And it was a mighty move of God. The the Holy Spirit had descended here to earth. And as Peter's preaching his sermon, think 2,000 years later... ...the church still looks back to this moment in history of redemption of man as, as the church is birthed. And 50 days earlier, Peter's leader had died on a cross and was crucified. And what these early New Testament believers were about to experience was a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. They had never seen anything like this before. And sometimes in church circles and church life, you'll hear what someone say, We've never done it that way. Or in the, down here in the south, we ain't never done it that way before. And folks, they had never seen a move of God like this. But buckle your seatbelt because God is getting ready to transform lives not by the tens or twenties or, 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 or by the hundreds. He's getting ready to transform lives by the thousands. And the church was going to radically uh, explode in growth. And we see nothing had even been done like this before. Old Testament prophet Joel prophesied about this very moment. He said in Joel chapter 2 verse 28. He says, It shall come to pass afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And he's giving them a a, a picture of what was going to take place. Even uh, on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. There was a mighty move of the Spirit of God beginning to transpire there in Jerusalem. And Joel foretold the day in which every believer from every tribe and tongue would be a prophet. And this doesn't mean that they would all become pastors, but what God has called us to do as the body of Christ is we are the mouthpiece. We are the, the vessel that he is desiring to use to take the gospel to the far corners of the earth. And he's using the church. If we'll allow him to, he'll use us for his glory. Joel foretold of this. He prophesied about this and it doesn't mean that you say, well, Pastor, I just don't feel like I have that gift of uh, uh, talking to people. And I have a hard time uh, you know, talking to strangers. But, folks, he's already promised he's going to give us the power. So it's just up to us now to be obedient in the call of God on our life. Peter's not saying every believer has the gift of prophecy. But saying, rather, every, every believer has the privilege of sharing the gospel of Jesus with the world, he's showing how, as believers, we have the privilege of knowing God intimately. We're commissioned by His Spirit to to uh, uh, to share and speak the Word of God faithfully. And folks, in those early days, they came to know Him mainly through dreams and visions because it, it was all brand new. In fact, the whole Book of Acts is a a very fluid book, is because. They had nothing to go back on they didn 't have the the gospel accounts to go back on. all of these things are just taking place in real time. The church is literally just being born and, and we as we tap into the holy spirit's power, we see that he empowered the church to be the church. The text that we're looking at this morning was found in the prophecy of Joel. The message delivered centuries earlier by Joel would ultimately it, it was had panned prophetic words, was effective beyond anything that Peter could even begin to imagine. As Peter was a preacher, he was a fisherman. And he was, uh, there was curious Jews that formed his audience. And he's getting ready to speak. And in fact, the sermon had far beyond anything experienced to this day. The fulfillment of the prophecy is for the, for the most part Yet future. However, part of the text speaks of what should be the vision for every single church. I invite you to look in in Acts chapter 2. We'll start reading in verse 17. It says, In the last days, it shall be that God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Uh, He says, even on my uh, male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall do what, church? Be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Holy Spirit, would you move in our hearts this morning? Lord, help us for the next few moments to set aside any distractions of our day, of our week, of, of, of what's to come uh, later on to this afternoon. And God, I pray that we would focus our attention on your word, your power to transform our lives. God, would you do something so supernatural here this morning that none of us can take credit for it god none of us can can uh, explain the move and the power of god god would you do something supernatural today and lord would you radically transform our hearts lord as you prepare to do greater things in the life of Calvary Rally Church god I pray that this morning we would not stand in the way of the holy spirit and what you're wanting to accomplish God, we would would be faithful where you've planted us and where you've placed us. And God, we would see our city with a different lens, a different view through the heart and mind and eyes of Christ. And God, help us to see those that are moving into our city and and see those who are desperate in need of a Savior. And God, we would have compassion and love on them. And God, we would lead them to faith in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray over the course of this year... You would begin to do supernatural things that we couldn't even ask or think or even begin to imagine according to the power that's at work within us. God, do a mighty work this morning in preparing our hearts for the growth you're going to send. We'll give you the praise and honor and glory. And all of God's people said, amen. Pentecost means the last days. And so they the last days have dawned and Peter is helping them to understand He says the church ought to be anticipating a fresh move of God's spirit. We ought to sense and anticipate what God wants to do in the life of his church. I'll tell you, sometimes you get excited We get excited about going to a ball game. Now, I told someone earlier, I said, I'm not going to say a whole lot about sports yesterday. was not a good day to be a Tar Heel fan, but you know what? It is what it is, and you win some, you, you lose some, some. Some of you are clapping out there. There's just like five Duke fans in the whole entire I mean, there's only a few of you. When I lived in Florida, I met more Duke fans than I ever met living in Raleigh uh, my whole entire life. But it's crazy how that, that rolls. But, you know, uh, you, you get excited about going to a game. You get excited about going to a ball game and, and the anticipation. And I love going to a Hurricanes hockey game. And they, they start cranking up, that, making all that noise and getting everybody excited. And all the, those players start skating out on the ice. And they turn on those bright lights. And it's just, it, there's something about it, the excitement. They're shooting t-shirts into the crowd. And there's a, a, a sense that you're waiting and anticipating something exciting about to take place. Maybe you're going to your favorite restaurant and you've saved up, and you have a big date night planned, and, I mean, you don't eat anything all day. Anybody else do this? Or maybe that's just me, but I'll, sometimes I'm I'll, like, I'm going to, we're going to Angus barn. it's our anniversary, and I'm like, I'm not eating breakfast, I'm not eating lunch, I'm just drinking water, and and I'm anticipating, I mean, I'm getting a big juicy steak, and I want that wedge salad with the blue cheese crumbles and those pecans that are, like, caramelized. I mean, there some of you are like, man, I mean, take me away right now, I'm ready to go. But I, I'll be enjoying that food and then get that to that dessert, you know, and I'm telling you, somewhere about halfway through my steak at Angus born anybody else do this, I'm like, all right, I'm done, because there is that chocolate chest pie that's going to be on that dessert platter that comes around in a few moments, and I am not going to miss out on that, heated with some ice cream on top, I mean, you can't get anybody, so you're anticipating that as the church of God, we ought to be anticipating a mighty move of God. We ought to be anticipating a fresh move of God's spirit in our lives. And when God is working, church, you can, you can expect a move of his spirit like something we've never seen before. When the spirit of God's alive, he's able to do far more abundantly than what we could ask or think. And I don't want to stand in the way of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to accomplish in his church. He's the one that builds the church in church, the word of God says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, there's nothing that can hold back the move or the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter two, the disciples had come together for Pentecost, and the events of the second chapter of Acts make up what is considered the birthday, or the birth tie, birth uh, place of the church. And from this point forward, the Holy Spirit was now the driving force behind. What became the church's phenomenal expansion all throughout the Middle East, all across Europe is the church would literally expand from city to city and they were planting churches and making disciples across continents. I believe as we consider the greater things that God wants to do in his church, it's good to go back to this pivotal moment in church history to see what god was saying in fact if you go back to the beginning of our of chapter two it says suddenly in verse two there was came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting you can imagine as that sound started going between around the house and people are like what is going on you ever be in church and you're like, what exactly is happening? I mean, you know, what, what, what's God doing? And there's a, a sense of, I mean, uncertainty of like what's happening here. But folks, there was an, an excitement. There was an anticipation. He says in verse 4, they were, or verse 3, they they're divided as tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Keep in mind, this was brand new, and no one had ever experienced a major move of the Spirit like this, and it sounded like a mighty rushing wind. There's a song that they used to sing, usually, I hear a sound of a mighty rushing wind. It's that sound of the Holy Spirit beginning to move in their midst. What could have been a scary moment for most was a powerful movement of God, folks, that let the church know that the Holy Spirit was available for the church of Jesus Christ. This was unprecedented, unheard of, unexperienced until this very moment. And and there was a powerful movement of God. And folks, the Holy Spirit's now available on an ongoing, continual basis. This description is of a mighty rushing wind, something like a tornado or a a cyclone or something that's that's blowing in a hurricane that's, that's brewing and it was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. The description is that it was a violent wind. But either way folks, we know it was powerful enough that no one could control it or stifle it. What a powerful thing to recognize this morning You cannot hold back the power of the Holy Spirit as he's wanting to move in our midst. He's desiring to change and transform lives. And and it's it's beginning to become obvious to the churches they're gathering. Human power is humbled by such violent power of God. The church must experience the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to lead us. We're not to direct it. Or tell him where he should go. He's trying to direct us and move the church in the direction he wants us to go. And folks, if you've ever watched some of the storm chasers on some of these weather channels, and they're, they're out chasing a tornado, and they're, they're following, and they're chasing, and they're right on the edge of a tornado, and they're driving down a road towards a storm. I mean, some things defy logic. Some things defy common sense, but as they're staring danger and death in the eye, folks, they're bringing, hoping to capture that video right on the edge of the storm. And if you've ever seen Twister or some of these crazy movies, and there's like cows flying through the air, I mean, I mean it's crazy to think. I mean, this is, people live for that kind of stuff. And, but folks, what he's saying is as the power of the Holy Spirit begins to work, man can't tame it. Man can't stop the move and the power of God. The church must experience this power of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues in verse 4 at Pentecost is speaking in other human languages. They weren't speaking gibberish. They were speaking the gospel in every tribe and tongue so that everyone present could hear the gospel in their own languages. And folks, it reminds me that Christ's kingdom is multicultural, it's multi-ethnic, it's multi-racial, and there was no English-only equivalent in the New Testament church. In fact, it wasn't spoken in English at the moment, most likely. God wanted everyone to understand the truths of the gospel in their own language. And folks, the gospel was too important of a message for it to get muddled down and, and by language barrier. So as we study our texts, I'm reminded that the church must be willing to let God do greater things through us. And God can only do greater things through us if we act in faith for God. It's not going to happen if we play it safe. George Barna did a a report, a study, some time ago about what successful churches do and don't do. and He said growing churches got to where they are because they're willing to make, take measured risk. He says they're willing to do some unusual things to demonstrate creativity in their approach to reaching people, and they generally understand that to be safe in ministry is to be stifled. To make gains, a church must take risk. I don't know about you, I want to be a part of a church that's willing to step out on faith in the power of the Holy Spirit and take risk that we might reach our city. Folks, It's going to take risk on the part of Calvary-Riley Church if we're going to see the neighborhoods around our church come to faith in Christ? If we're going to see our church to make an impact on our city, we must take risk. A church that wants the Holy Spirit to do greater things through them needs to reach out and attempt bigger things than we even think we could accomplish on our own. In other words, saying... Pastor, I have no earthly idea how we're going to reach all of these communities that are springing up around the church. And can you say, Pastor, I have, no, I have no idea how we're going to do it. We're not going to apart from the Holy Spirit's power. We're not going to do it apart from the work and the move of the Holy Spirit. As He begins to give us a passion and a burden for the lost in our city, we're going to start saying, man, we've got to go out there and make a difference We've got to infiltrate the the forces, so to speak, with the truth of the gospel so that people can see Christ in us, the hope of glory. They've got to see there's hope in the heart and the life of every single believer. And so as we anticipate the fresh move of God's Spirit in our midst, be praying our greater things prayer in Ephesians 3.20. He says, God, would you do far more abundantly than we could ask or think According to the power within us. And Lord, we're going to give you glory in advance of what you're going to do in your church throughout all generations. So I'm praying that God enables us to reach this generation and the next generation with the truth of the gospel. So as people start to come and hear, God, what's God doing at Calvary Rally Church? He's transforming lives. I was saved. My life was radically transformed. I was on the wrong path, headed the wrong direction, and God radically transformed my life. We see also, this is, we'll see dreams and visions of all that God wants to do. In verse 17, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And I'll be honest, uh, this week as I was studying through some of this passage, I'm like, man, I have always looked at myself as a young person. I mean, Steve, I mean, uh, we're not the young marrieds anymore. I mean, we thought we were for the longest time. And I remember a church I went to years ago, the 20s class uh, were called like the young marrieds. And then before long, they were the 40s class. But they never took their name of young marrieds off and they were you know those people their kids have already graduated from high school and they you know, no one wants to admit that you're getting old and but and the reality is this all of us are growing older and, and it's, it's a tough reality uh, in 2020 when my daughter' my oldest daughter started college, I'm starting to think my oldest child is in college today and I'm thinking I mean we'll, we'll go to things at her college and we're some of the youngest parents there. I mean, we uh, my wife got pregnant 3 months after we got married and so Uh, We're sitting in these college meetings and going to college ball games, and every other parent there looks like they're like a good ten. I mean, they look way older than us. I mean, uh, and then now we go to stuff at our twin's school or uh, their gymnastics or football or lacrosse, and we look like the old parents because they're eight years younger than our oldest child. And you know, so you you start realizing I'm not the the young person as I once was. God gives young people dreams. He gives them to see something greater than they currently see. God gives older people visions of something greater than what currently is. And Folks, don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid. Sometimes people look up and you'll see a a younger person. Will was leading worship up here this morning. I love that. I love seeing younger people participating and... And serving and being used of God. Why? Because there's a powerful move of God. And folks, we shouldn't be intimidated or afraid at what God is doing in reaching up and bringing up uh, younger people and the, the dreams that they have. And God gives young people dreams of something greater. And, and folks, so don't let it intimidate you. Those of us that are getting older, we were once the younger generation, the younger crowd. We dreamed of how God would do greater things. And and we took risks and we dared to believe God to do the supernatural. The last couple of years has been trying to say the least as a church, as a nation, as a city. It's been a, a trying time for, for all of us. And you know, I wouldn't in any way uh, underestimate what God is still trying to accomplish in his church. As a church, we prayed for God to prepare us as he's growing our city around us, as he's bringing the world to our doorstep. God, prepare us for doing greater things. God, prepare us for what you're trying to accomplish. And as a church, we prayed that God would, would bring us a the, the right team in place that would help make an impact on our city with the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And I'm excited how God has built our staff, how God has brought us together. And a couple of weeks from now, our church pastoral staff are taking a little retreat away for a few days. and. We're going to spend time on our knees praying. God, would you give us clarity? Would you help us to dream big? Would you God give us a greater vision of what you want to accomplish in our church? We're praying for God to give us unity and clarity and vision and power and anointing. And and God has blessed us with Pastor Jackson and Pastor Matt on our team and and they're bringing leadership to the table and I'm looking around now, and I'm thinking I'm one of the older ones on staff. I'm the oldest uh, pastor serving you know, on full-time staff, and it's it's you know it could be a little bit intimidating at times. And and we were coming in this week, and I said something. We were getting out of the car, and uh, the three of us, and I said, "Yeah, my first mission trip that I took as a student pastor was in 1998." And Jackson speaks up and says, "I was born in 1998." and thanks for reminding me you know I was, I was my first student ministry uh, overseas mission trip but yet you know he was born that year and so I'm reminded you know God give, I'm excited that when I listen to what the dreams that God is giving our staff of what Calvary is going to look like in 2023 what it's going to look like in 2025 and 2030 and 10 years from now. What is it going to look like? Folks, it's exciting to see they're have a uh, they buying into the vision of our church and what God has given us. And together we see things not staying the same, but doubling and tripling in size over the next three to five years. And we see God taking us to multiple services and expanding our facilities and more parking and, and how God is going to use us to make a greater impact on our city with the gospel. Folks, we see us having a, a much greater kingdom impact in our city and around the world. Hudson Taylor said this. He says, dream a dream so big that unless God intervenes, it will fail. Do you get that? Dream a dream so big that unless God intervenes, it will fail. And William Carey says, expect great things. Attempt. Great things. So, what it's calling us to do is to see the dreams and the vision that God has for our church. And, folks, don't be satisfied with anything less. Don't be satisfied saying, well, you know what? We did this last year, and I think we should just kind of keep it in autopilot. And, you know, God is my co pilot. I'm just going to let him just kind of do whatever he wants to do. No, God is trying to move us to action as he calls us to the mission of the church of making disciples of Jesus Christ. Calvary, Riley is not about those just in this room, although we love each one of you. We love those that are watching, tuning in online. But folks, it's, no, it's all of those we've yet to reach outside of the walls of this church, outside of our campus, in our city, and around the world with the gospel. We dream of God doing greater things where the church that ministers to those from every tribe, tongue, and nation come to faith in Jesus. As the Lord leads, we see a much more diverse congregation that crosses many cultural barriers. We see a church that reflects the diversity of our city we see a church that reaches outside the walls of the building to meet the needs in our city that can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit together we're dreaming of greater things that God wants to accomplish in church let me encourage you each one of us don't be intimidated by a God-sized dream don't be intimidated by a God-sized vision because folks On our own, we can't accomplish it, but with his power, nothing is impossible. Things are getting excited, and Jeremiah 33 says, Call to me, and I will answer you. I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. As we call on the God of heaven, what he begins to do is stir within us that passion to anticipate a mighty move. Of the Spirit of God, God, what do you want to accomplish? God, what are you wanting to do in my life? I don't want to stand in the way or hinder the move of the Holy Spirit. And then, thirdly, he says countless people will be saved. So we look at verse twenty-one. It says it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will what? Church will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, what was happening here in Acts chapter 2 is the gospel is now available for every person. Every tribe, every tongue, not just the Jews, not just the, the Greek, not just the Gentiles. No, it's every tribe, tongue, and nation. And I love to see what begins to take place. The gospel begins to spread outside the walls of the new church in Jerusalem. And it begins to impact the entire region, Judea, Samaria, and spread ultimately to the ends of the earth. As we're preparing for a mighty move of the Spirit, countless people are going to be saved. That's what discipleship looks like. That's what begins to take place as, as God begins to fuel the vision of, of, of the church. And it's God building His church. Don't be nervous. Get ready. Don't be intimidated. Get excited about what God is beginning to do. We have a responsibility to be ready and to faithfully share the gospel. And 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared. In other words, he's saying, as the church you be prayed up, you be studying the word of God, be learning the, the verses of scripture. It says, always prepare to make offense to anyone who asks you of the reason of the hope that's in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, with meekness and fear, with love and a heart of compassion to reach a loss. So when that co-worker says, how did you face the last two years? How do you still have a smile on your face? Because Jesus Christ has radically changed my heart. I can face adversity and trial and still have a smile because, folks, I have hope. And, and, and it's not bound by this world or my current circumstances. My hope is in Jesus Christ, who came to death, hell, and the grave. And so he says, I have a confidence. He says, so be ready to make an offense to anyone who asks you what's going on. We all need to be growing daily in our walk with Christ, ready to share the good news of the gospel. And folks, you say, he's already given us his spirit. In fact, if you go back one page to Acts chapter 1, he says in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be witnesses. He's giving it to us. It's, it's a present command. And if folks, it's continuing on. He says, you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's saying... As you're going through life, I've called you to be a witness, a faithful carrier of the gospel. And There's nothing to be afraid of. It's something to be super excited about. You see, the Holy Spirit of God is at work. And when that happens, none of us can take credit. None of us can say, hey, look what I did, Pastor David. Look at what God did. No, it's the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit working in and through us. He says in Matthew 28... Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He's giving us a commission. He's commissioning and calling the church to go make disciples of every nation. And as we obey that command, he promises here in our text that countless souls will come to faith in Christ. Paul says in Romans 10, he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Church. Save. So he's saying is, as we're going, that co-worker you've been praying for, God wants them to get saved even more than you do. That neighbor that you've been seeking to reach for the gospel, God wants them to get saved even more than you do. And so he's going to use you as you're faithful, as you're growing, as you're preparing, as you're ready to give a defense of what God is doing in your life. He's going to do a mighty work. In saving their soul, and folks, people will start calling on the name of the Lord for salvation like never before. It's called divine appointments, and as we're praying, as we're preparing, folks, those appointments are available every single day of our lives. Suddenly, you're going to see the cashier, Miss uh, uh, Rebecca, brought a uh, somebody she met at through a, a business that she shopped at, and a few months ago, he was sitting out here in our service, and folks. You never know the impact of just a simple invitation. You never know how that's going to impact and can transform someone's life. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching one another in all wisdom, sharing our faith, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to the Lord. Folks, what happens is as we're growing, don't underestimate the impact of that. Gospel conversation, the opportunity to share the gospel with people that you're coming in contact. You never know how the Lord will use the message that you invite someone to church, how he may use the, the worship or the songs to minister to their heart and draw them to the place where they understand their need for the Savior. Say, Pastor, what's the application? It's time to dream big, it's time to dream about. All of the things that God wants to do in his church. It's time to dream and see the vision of what he wants to accomplish. And folks, it's so much grander than we can imagine. God is pouring out a mighty move of his spirit on the church to do greater things for the kingdom. Are you ready this morning to take risk? To reach our city and the world with the gospel? Are you willing to take risks? To step outside your comfort zone and say, God, I don't know how, but I'm trusting you. God, I will trust your plan. I'm going to trust your power. I'm going to trust your spirit. I'm going to rest on your assurance that you are able to save to the uttermost. Don't underestimate the impact of inviting someone to church, what God wants to do. And don't be intimidated by the dreams and visions God has given us. Yes, we' it's impossible for us, but nothing is impossible with God. This morning, I want to leave you. Will you join us in praying that God would do more abundantly than all that we could ask or think and do greater things in the life of His church? Will you join with us in preparing for greater things? Holy Spirit, would you move in our hearts this morning?